You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to call in the ancestors, especially those who lived their lives as mentors, who lived their lives in a way that inspired others. A call out to those ancestors who lived in such a way that by the very living of each day, they inspired others to live well, to follow their passions, to find the meaning in their heart, and to live in a way that brought their gifts to the people. So I call out to those ancestors that were champions of others. And those who brought to us the protection and the blessing and the guidance necessary to follow their own soul's purpose. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to circle round. To bring us the legacy that is there for us in each of our lives that we might draw from that legacy to do what we have come here to do. So I call out to all of those ancestors who lived well and died well and are there for us as ancestral helping spirits. And I ask you all humbly to be with us here today that we might learn from those who have gone before us. I call out to the earth below and I offer deep gratitude. Gratitude for giving us a home, a beautiful home of many, many opportunities and blessings a home where things are here in great beauty in the physical world and in the complex great beauty in the invisible world. We give thanks for all of this wonderful web of life that has been spun here. May we dream well as the living here and make that circle strong from the ancestors to the living and to the descendants and background again. So we call out to the earth to hear our deep gratitude for connection for a place to belong, for the companionship of others along this journey here. And for the deep, deep interconnectedness, may we grow rich and wise from that interconnection, walk softly on this planet in a way that brings our gifts passionately to the world and conserves the great beauty and resources of this place. So we give thanks to the earth for the guidance and how to be here in a good way. And from the earth, we take a stand. And we rise up from the earth and call down the energies of the sky, the energies of the great above, the protector spirits, the blessings, the inspiration, and the generosity. We reach up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that, call it down into your life, into our circle here today, into the place, into the family of humanity. We call the energy of all that is above down to us here on earth, and we ask these energies to merge and blend to bring us into balance in this day. And with ourselves coursing with the energy of the earth and sky and the ancestors standing round, it is our task now to call forth the spirit of the heart, that place that can merge the fiery passions, chaotic confusions of the belly, with the clarity and inspiration of the mind that we might discern for ourselves our soul's true purpose and live in a way today that brings that purpose into manifestation. And may we do this now with the assistance of the spirit world while we are all young enough to enjoy the fruits of that labor. So for all this helping spirits around us, I give thanks. For all of the people who have been moved in their heart and their spirit to donate to this show, I give thanks. I give thanks here at the end of the year to all of the listeners who have sent in questions or called in questions, who have clearly thought deeply, been moved by the shows, and have responded to begin a dialogue in their own lives about how this can work. I give thanks to all of those who are engaged in any way with the show. I give thanks to Co-Creator Network 
for supporting the show and keeping it on the air. I give thanks to every single one of you that has shared this show with one other person and encouraged that person to share it as well. So I give thanks to everyone who has done anything to help this show to grow, to live, and to inspire me to be able to do something useful and meaningful each week on the show. So I give thanks to the great web of life that is simply allows the show to be available free for people to listen all over the world. If you want to support this show, you can go to the whyshamanismnow.com website and click the support button and offer whatever amount you choose to, large or small. Every single dollar is deeply appreciated, and they all go straight to keeping the show on the air. So I give thanks to all of you that make this show happen. The show today is about the vitality and life force of your purpose. This is about how, when we are in our purpose, we are living our purpose, even unclear about what that purpose might be, if we are moving with the energies, we will feel vitality and we will feel life force within us. And it is that very fact, the fact of the vitality and life force within that helps us to know that we're on the right track. That so much of living well from a shamanic perspective in the world has to do with tracking energy. It doesn't have to do with finding the right place and buying real estate and setting up a gated community. It has to do with having the skills to co-create with spirit, with the environment around you, with the people around you, and with your own growing understanding of why you are here. It has to do with co-creating with all of those energies, truer and truer expressions of your reason to be here. So in my life, Martha Graham has been an inspiration. Martha Graham, the woman, inspires me. It's not really about her choreography or actually her style of dance. It was always a little bit overwrought for me, frankly. But that didn't change the fact that Martha herself, Martha the woman, was a great inspiration for me in my life. I never danced with her, so I can't say she was a mentor, and she certainly didn't even know I existed, so she was not a champion of my causes. Nonetheless, as a woman, Martha has been a great inspiration. At some time in the second half of her life, um, Martha Graham said that I have spent my life with dance and being a dancer. It's permitting life to use you in a very intense way. Sometimes it is not pleasant. Sometimes it is fearful. But nevertheless, it is inevitable. So while Martha obviously here is talking about her life specifically, her experience of her life with dance, and she's also talking specifically about dance, what I see in her words or hear in her words is she is describing life as a path of mastery. To talk about life as something that you, you permit life to use you in a very intense way. That one phrase brings to mind this beautiful student who was a client and a student for years, for a decade probably. And she never completed the end of the four-year training. And partly the reason was, is this exact piece right here. We had a conversation and she was saying, you know, but how, but how? And I, I used every example I could think of from my own life to illustrate, but how, to, to answer, because there was no specific answer. It was about how to approach life. And it really boiled down to this, is whether or not she was willing to let life use her in that intense way. In other words, to trust that if she surrendered, her life would use her to live her soul's purpose. And that was how she would find that energy. And she said, I can't do that. And you know what? 
It's her choice. It's her life. There's nothing right or wrong about that decision. But that's what this piece of this this quote from Martha reminds me of, is how hard it is, especially as contemporary Americans, to let life use you in an intense way. Especially understanding that sometimes that will not be pleasant and sometimes it will be fearful. Nevertheless, it is inevitable. And that's the piece, is that relationship between letting life use you intensely and how that brings you to the very thing that is inevitable for you, that is your soul's reason for existence, the reason to incarnate here in your physical body. And whether you believe we come here one time or many times, it doesn't matter today. For this show, it's about the vitality and life force of you living your purpose in your life. So here we have Martha describing her life, um, but she's really describing life as a path of mastery. And not everyone's path of mastery in life is big and bold and bright as Martha's. I mean, Martha's considered a genius, and I wouldn't argue that. Um, Not all of us are geniuses. Not all of us are going to have big, bold, bright, obvious paths of mastery to to the large world. For many of us, our path is humble. For many of us, our path may even appear ordinary. But it's still a path of mastery. I actually watch this sometimes in my little brother, um, who's way bigger than I am, but he's still my little brother, my younger brother. And he, in life, as I've said before on this show, passes entirely in life as a normal person. I don't, obviously. Shamanic healer, not normal. Shamanic teacher, talking about all this weird stuff on the radio every week. I don't pass as a normal person. He passes entirely as a normal person. He has a job. He travels internationally, speaks different languages, you know, regular paycheck, kids in college, the whole deal, right? Normal person. But when I watch him engage in the things that he cares about in his life, and there's a whole lot of life that he doesn't care that much about and doesn't anyway, but the pieces that he truly cares about, which mostly revolve around children, his own, but others, I see him in this path of mastery. And I I still remember this one story. Um, He was coaching little kids, you know, like nine or seven or something like that, Eh, probably nine. No, I don't think they were teenagers yet. So they're like nine, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds in soccer. And, you know, soccer in the U.S., right? So it's not as big as it is in the rest of the world. So these kids are, you know, stumbling all over each other, kicking each other, carrying on. And there was this one little kid um, who was kicking people. You know, he was just mad about something. He was just running around kicking people. He didn't have any, wouldn't pay attention to the ball at all. He was just using it as an excuse to haul off and hurt people. And so my little brother pulled him out of the game because my little brother's the coach, right? Pulls him out of the game and says to this kid, you know, Eric or whatever his name is. He says, Eric, what are you doing? He goes, what do you mean? And he looks at him and he says, you know what, Eric? Go over there and talk to that tree. And when you and that tree sort out what you're doing and you can come back and tell me, you come on over and you tell me and I'll stick you back in the game. So the kid walked over and stood by the tree for a while. He came back later and he said something to my little brother. I don't know what it was. He's never told me what it was. And he, my little brother kind of thought about it. He said, yeah, good enough answer. Get back in the game. Kid went back in the game, played great. And so my point is here we have this guy who passes as an ordinary guy, but there are aspects of his life where he is cultivating mastery. He is an amazing parent. He is amazing with kids. And he didn't necessarily learn that from our parents. He, this is part of his path of mastery in his life. So my point, back to my point, is it's not a path of mastery doesn't mean it's going to be written in neon. It doesn't mean it's huge. It can be very humble, very ordinary. It can simply be how you parent, which I would actually argue is one of the most important paths of mastery a human being could ever be on. But that's another show. 
But my point here is that not everybody has to be inventing an entire new form of dance like Martha. We all have a soul's purpose. We all have a reason to be here. And for many of us, it is not big in the sense of being big and bold for the rest of the world to see. That it is simply about us and our relationship and our own life with our soul and whether or not we are doing some manifestation of what our soul is here to do. It may be very small and humble, but it is still a path of mastery. So this is then at the core of shamanic well-being. To do your work, to, to find as you mature into your young adulthood and through your adulthood to find, why am I here? What makes me feel the vitality and life force rising within me so that I know that this thing that I'm doing is my work? It's what I have come into this world to do. It is my path of mastery. And... What what you came into this world to do, whatever that is, and however many different ways you express that energy, it must be an expression of your spirit. This, this human existence is about the physical manifestation of spirit. So it's about the physical manifestation through your actions, through what you choose to do with your life, to the physical manifestation of your soul, your spirit, what it has come here to do. That's what it's about. That's, that's the whole point. So the important thing is that you feel it in your own humble way, just as Martha describes it in her quote, that you feel that energy moving through you, through your work, And that that energy in and of itself is inevitable for you. So let's look at what Martha says about then that. So she says, first, you spend your life with it and you spend your life within it. She said, you know, she's been with dance and she's been dance, been a dancer her whole life. And so the important thing is that you spend time in your life in and around the things that you have passion for. And so this can be a great problem if you are involved in manufacturing shoes and you have absolutely no passion for shoes. Because the truth of the matter is, people, there's a whole lot of people that have a ton of passion for shoes. I'm not one of them, but boy, have I met people that are really into shoes. So if you're not into shoes, move over. Go find a different job. Let someone who has a passion for shoes be involved in the manifestation of shoes. The important thing is that you spend your time in your life, even your everyday working hours, in and around the things in life that bring you passion, that that make your passion heat up. The other thing you need to understand as you seek that vitality and life force that comes from being connected to your purpose and finding ways to begin to manifest that purpose in the world, sometimes it will not be pleasant. If it is always hunky-dory, you know, if it's always good, it's always pleasant, you are not going deep enough. That if we are truly on a path of mastery, as Martha describes, we are truly seeking this deep expression of what is inevitable for us that is coming out of our soul, sometimes it will be unpleasant. Sometimes we will be asked to grow. We will be asked to change. We will be asked to heal. We will be asked sometimes to lead. Sometimes we will ask to have hope where it all seems hopeless. These conditions are unpleasant. Nonetheless, if you are on a path of mastery, you must be willing at times to be in situations that are unpleasant. Unpleasant doesn't mean wrong. 
unpleasant might mean you are right on target. And whatever it is that is hanging on has been outmoded by your growth. Martha also says that sometimes it is fearful to give over your life in that intense way to what is inevitable for you. Sometimes it will be fearful. Hallelujah. Yes, sometimes it will be fearful because you will be constantly asked to innovate, to do what does not exist, to be who you have not been before. That is the point. That is the point from a shamanic perspective. That each of us brings a uniqueness that has not yet been manifest. And the value of a healthy, engaged community is that it supports the individuals in bringing forth that uniqueness. Because those gifts that come out of that person and are given into the community are the wealth of the community, enrich the community. And so there is a dynamic, a um, a synergy there between the individual and the community. And there are times that you, if you give over yourself to your life in an intense way and surrender to what is inevitable, to what must rise out of you, it will be fearful and hallelujah. What is so great about the day you've already lived, especially if most of your days look pretty much the same? Stasis, though familiar and comfortable, is death. For those who are on a path of mastery with their life, for those who truly want to live their soul's purpose, you must give up the comfort of the familiar, the comfort of, the, of the, what has become common in your own life, and allow yourself to move into your discomfort, to move into the new and to be a bit fearful. So that you might open up to and allow things to change. And the most important thing that Martha says here in this simple quote is that nevertheless, nevertheless of the unpleasantness, of the fearfulness, of the hopelessness, of the whatever. Nevertheless, your soul's purpose is inevitable. And it is through your surrender to that inevitability that you will forge the core of your well-being. From a shamanic perspective, your well-being, psychological, spiritual, um, emotional, physical, the core of your well-being is your relationship with that which is inevitable within you. Your relationship with your reason for being here. That that is the core of your well-being. It defines your work in the world, which may evolve over time, but nonetheless... Your energy, your thoughts, your words, your deeds are going into the expression of your soul's reason for being here. And that in and of itself is the core of well-being from a shamanic perspective. That doesn't mean stuff won't happen. It will. Things will go sideways. Things can get chaotic. Accidents happen. All that is true. But to assist someone who has already established a core of well-being, and speaking now as a practitioner, to assist someone who has a core of well-being is entirely different than assisting someone who experienced, let's say, the same accident who has no core of well-being. It's an entirely different experience as a practitioner energetically. So what is inevitable for you? That is my question here this week. What is inevitable for you? What is the essence that is critically important to you? What what are the parts of life that stir your passions, that excite you, that make your blood move? I have this lovely um, guy that helps me with technical stuff like computers and internet and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and he's, he's quirky, you know, and he comes to the house because we have two home-based businesses. He comes to the house to help us with our computers and things. And when he arrives, he's, it, there's all that, that sort of social interface is, is very awkward. 
Um, but once the computers open up and that world, that, that technical world of computers and the internet and the whole deal, everything opens up, he blossoms. He relaxes. He's funny. He'll talk forever. He, he's completely in his element in that world. And I know if you took his pulse the moment he walked in the door in that awkward social interface moment and compared it to his pulse and his heat once he's in his element, which is purely technical and leaves me utterly cold, right, that he would be on fire. And this is what I love finding in my life, frankly, is for all the people that help me with the things that I don't get, I dislike, I, they, I don't get it at all, right? To find the people for whom it makes their blood boil in a good way, in the passion way. And let them help me with it because then I know I'm going to get excellent help that's being expressed through that per- person's heart. Not through their desire to make money off me because that's not going to happen because I don't have any money. But through their desire to do what they've come in the world to do. I love working with those people. They make all these bits of my life so much fun because for them, computer problems when he's here. So what is difference between the energy of your soul's purpose and the vehicle through which you express it. In other words, my soul's purpose is not to be a shaman. Being a shaman is the vehicle through which I express it. Being a teacher is another vehicle through which I express my soul's purpose. Being a writer is another vehicle through which I express my soul's purpose, I hope. And being a partner, being a lover, being being with my my partner is how another way that I hope that I am expressing my soul's purpose. Those are the most important things to me in my life. Those are the places that I get to express my soul's purpose. The other things in life are a little bit annoying, right? They're a bother because they're not part of what is inevitable for me. They're just the things I have to do um, for the day to be responsible as a grown up. Have the same passion to them. They don't have a vitality. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy in the energy of your soul's purpose that is most true for you and less true for everybody else. Soul's purpose. So I'm going to go back. A life that is translated through and because there is only Okay, so there's Martha. It's so shamanic and she's just speaking of her life of her path of mastery, of her expression of her soul's purpose. But it's so, there could be, this could be from a shaman from any culture on the planet. This quote, there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. And, If you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is or how valuable or how it compares to other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly. No artist is pleased. There is no satisfaction, whatever, at any time. 
there is only a queer that okay there is a vitality a life force and energy a quickening that is translated through you into action and because there is only one of you in all time this expression is unique if you block it it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost the world will not have it it is not your business to determine how good it is or how valuable or how it compares with other expressions it is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly to keep the channel open no artist is pleased there is no satisfaction whatever at any time there is only a queer divine dissatisfaction a blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others Martha Graham so this is another quote from Martha that could be from a shaman it speaks to life as a path of mastery life as an expression of your soul's purpose and there's a very important piece here that is so deeply shamanic what isn't your business you are here to do something right your community supports you in the doing of it or it should and if it doesn't you might need to look for community but you are the only one who can do it it's not your business to determine how good it is or how valuable or how it compares with other expressions and these three things turn people away from their purpose again and again and again and i see this in my students and in my clients but how good is it worrying about how good is my expression of my soul's purpose who cares it's your path of mastery it doesn't matter in the beginning how good it is just do it the other thing that steers people away is the issue of how valuable is it will i be able to make a living doing this who cares there's always jobs the expression of your soul's purpose is the cornerstone the core of your well-being you cannot live in a good way without it it doesn't matter whether anybody else in the world wants to pay you for it the whole new age do what you love and the money you will come little motto is just a crappy bumper sticker it doesn't matter how valuable it is because it is the core of your well-being it matters more than anything to you you must do what is inevitable for you and figure the rest out after but this whole issue of putting this pressure on your soul's purpose that it's the thing that will also make your money buy your house put your kids through school etc etc give you a contemporary american life that keeps more people from living the true expression of your soul than any other one single thing it is not your business to determine how valuable it is it is your business to do it clearly and directly and it is not your business to compare your expression of yourself with others it is your business to do it clearly and directly to be the open channel between you and the spirit world it is the divine it is a manifestation of the divine the universe the source whatever you want to call it it's the manifestation of that energy that was the beginning of all things that wants to come through you that is the peace that is inevitable it wants to move through your soul in a manifestation in the world who are you to block the divine it's a face of god for those of you who believe in god and i don't care by what name you call god for those of you who believe in god you are a face of that god your soul's purpose is an expression of god who are you to block a manifestation of god here on earth because you don't think it's valuable because your culture at this time happens to not value it 
because it's uncomfortable, because it doesn't seem as good as anybody else's. It's not your place. It's not your business, as Martha says. It's not your business. Your business is to keep it yours clearly and directly and to be an open channel. The universe wants to know itself through you. That is what is inevitable. That is the core of your well-being. So here we are, contemporary people living in the same energy world Martha did, who was living in the same energy world that shamanic people did. Now all of you are going to go, oh, but wait, it's evolving, you blessed optimists. Yes, yes, we are all evolving, or at least expanding. But we are all one, and the one is doing it all together. So the dynamics of the energy relationships are the same. They are constants in the great big energy math of life. So my relationship with my soul's purpose is no different than Martha's, and Martha's is no different from shamanic people 4,000 years ago. That we are still humans on this earth, here to manifest an expression of the source through our life. And that is the thing that brings vitality, that brings life force, that brings passion to why we are here. So here in the Northern Hemisphere, we are poised in the time of the return in a Taoistic sense. It is winter up here for the most part. It's time of the big yin. This is the time of going within. Um, the helping spirit that people refer to would be the bear that hibernates, that goes within and goes to sleep and gestates over time the new ideas, the new cubs, the new bear cubs. This is the time where we pay back to ourselves that which we owe from all those many days that we drank too much coffee and didn't get enough sleep. All those many days we did everything but our practice. All those many days over this year that we ran ourselves ragged, even doing the things that we loved, and didn't pay back into the yin so that there would be nice, juicy potential energy there to be stirred and expressed into the yang. This is a deep, important Taoistic time in the cycle of the year, the cycle, that, that annual cycle in each human being's life. It is the time to replenish. It is the time to restore. It is the time to, for often, for many, to be in solitude. Time to be silent. It's a time of going in and being in relationship with the deep self. That part of yourself that may communicate with you through your dreams and everyday life, but generally speaking, you're likely to ignore. So I would like to challenge you. It's a gentle challenge since this is a yin time deep in the, as we all go into the winter here in the northern hemisphere. But I would like to challenge you nonetheless. This is a challenge to use the return at this time in your life in the service of your soul's purpose. So what am I saying? What I'm doing is I'm encouraging you Last, last year at this time, I encouraged you simply to be aware of the return, to go within, to spend some time in the midst of this season, to be in solitude, to give the return to yourself. And so this year, I'm upping the ante. I'm encouraging you to use the return, so to give yourself the return and to dedicate it, to use it toward your soul's purpose. In other words, so that as you emerge from this time of the return, just like the bear, you're emerging with a cub. You're emerging with something new, something that will help you to go into the world in the springtime with a new sense of yourself, a renewed connection to your soul's purpose. So my challenge has four parts, and they are all uh, questions to ask of your deep self. So now, if you're already living your soul's purpose, that is great. I mean that sincerely. Use the challenge. I challenge you as well to go deeper, 
Martha choreographed into her 90s. She danced for decades. She choreographed for decades more. She worked forever because it was a calling in her path of mastery. She didn't retire at 55 or 65 or whatever the new, you know, 65 is. She worked because it was her work in a shamanic sense, not a job, but it was an expression. It was inevitable. And so for every one of us, we want in our life to have a path of mastery. It may or may not be your job. And so I'm challenging you to use this return and dedicate what comes of it towards the connection with and the living of your soul's purpose. So if you have no idea what your soul's purpose is, great. Take the challenge anyway. That's points. Perfect for you. Maybe in doing it, you'll find that first idea, that first glimmer or sense of the passion within you, the first vision, maybe. Visions are, you know, challenging, but maybe a vision. But the first sense of that vitality and life force moving within you. So the return, this time of returning to the self, at its most simple, is about taking time for conversation and connection with your deep self. Yes, this is the part of yourself you usually ignore because he or she feels things deeply, is connected to things intimately, is interested in things that seem to be a distraction from the oh-so-very many, many endless items of the day. Right? The deep self could really care less about whether or not the laundry is done, you got to work on time, and frankly, whether or not you got that project in that your boss was harping on about. The deep self doesn't really care, usually about those things, unless, of course, somehow laundry is your soul's purpose or that project was your soul's purpose. But you get my point. So, this is the part of yourself that we normally ignore because it seems to get in the way of getting through the regular everyday contemporary day. But you have no other reason for being here. You have no other reason for being here on the face of this planet, using a body and consuming resources than to express what you have there in your deep soul, your deep self. You owe your deep self some time. If you live like a typical American, you owe your deep self a bunch of time here at the end of the year. And that is the essence of the return. It is natural. It is cyclical. cyclical. It is natural to put out big time in the summer, wherever your summer is, northern or southern hemisphere. It is the time in the cycle of life to express, to grow, to expand, to do it. And this other time of the cycle of the year is the opposite. And yet we don't give it, in America at least, that we are a culture in constant production. And so I'm challenging you to give it to yourself. Your deep self deserves it. So I encourage you to meditate yourself into the cave in your procreative center. And for those of you that don't know the Don Tian or the procreative center, it's essentially your, the energy center in your pelvis. If you imagined a ball of energy spinning and swirling around that rested in your pelvis, in the bowl of your pelvis. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, like Google a skeleton online. Visualize it. Really see the bones, the bones of your pelvis as a bowl and see that ball of light and energy. It's probably going to be red in that bowl inside of you and visualize yourself going inside that ball. And for many people, for the sake of this return, it can be helpful to visualize it as a big cave. For me, it's a big, deep, sort of reddish cave. It's not uncomfortable there, but it's not warm and sunny. It's not like a meadow with 
you know, birds and butterflies and wildflowers and alpine vistas. And, you know, it's not that space. It's a cave. It's the procreative center of all things. It is about darkness. It is about the earth. It is about the water. It is about the depths of things. So go deep into the procreative center of your being, in your body. And meet your deep self there. For some of you, that may work best if you sit deep in the cave and invite. Give gratitude and invite that deep self to come. Maybe you lay out offerings of a meal. Maybe you lay out sacred offerings that you know are important to yourself and invite the deep self out. For others of you, you may need to simply go deep in the cave. Keep walking. With the light of your own heart, keep walking deep into the cave to meet that deep self. When you meet that deep self, one way or the other, it is possible that he or she will have no vitality or life force. It may be that you are, frankly, in such a deep place of debt to your inner self. You are so yin depleted, which would be completely normal in a contemporary American life. It may be that you find your deep self, you have to go to it because it can't come to you. It is so depleted of vitality and life force. And if that is what you find in your deep self, that is your challenge. And I will leave you to that. That if you find your deep self cannot come to you because it is on its last breath, its last beat of the heart, because it's so depleted, your task is to go to most likely some kind of Taoist practitioner who can help you to cultivate and restore your deep, the yin. You're in a state of deep yin depletion. And you need to cultivate and restore that. It may be possible that you need some soul retrieval to help that happen. I don't know. But if that is what you find in your deep self, that is your journey over the winter. To restore the vitality and the life force of your deep self. So that you and your deep self can be in partnership. So if that is what you find, that is your challenge for this winter. So now what about those of you that meet a deep self? You either find them hanging out somewhere deep in your procreative center or they come to you or maybe they're there waiting for you, tapping their foot, going, it's about time. You know, you said you were going to meet me here twice a week at meditation class, but you haven't showed up for three weeks. You know, maybe you have an ongoing relationship with your deep self. Great. So go deeply into that cave. Meet your deep self there. And your challenge is to ask four questions, and they are progressive, and the answers may not come quickly, and they may come quickly, because your deep self may have been telling you this for months or years. They may be questions you need to sit with the answer for a while. I don't know what you're going to find, but this is the challenge first. Sitting there in your procreative center in this cave, of the deep self, ask the deep self, what needs to die? That's question number one. What needs to die? What aspect of you or your everyday life needs to die? It could be because it is outmoded by your own growth and your own consciousness. It no longer serves you. And yet you're still feeding it life force and energy, even though it's utterly and completely outmoded by your growth. It could be that there's something in your life that needs to die because it is simply too toxic. It could be a relationship. It could be an aspect of your relationship with yourself. Something that is too toxic. It could be that there's some aspect of yourself that needs to die because there is no way to do it that doesn't take more resources than it deserves. It is simply too exhausting. And if that is the case, come to clarity and understanding with the deep self about what in your life, either in you or in the relationships in your life with work or people or whatever, 
needs to die. So that there is energy and resources and possibility for something else to be reborn. That's question number one. Another day, another week, as you go to the procreative center in your return to be with your deep self. Question number two. Ask the deep self, what am I most afraid of? This is a question about fear. And in particular, the fears that hold you back from feeling and knowing the life-giving vitality of your soul's purpose. What is your deepest fear? So ask the deep self, what am I afraid of? And as you come to an answer about what you're afraid of, maybe you're afraid of looking ridiculous. It's amazing how much that limits people from doing something new, something that's unfamiliar to them. Maybe you're afraid of losing face. Maybe you're afraid of losing your home. Maybe you're afraid of losing the love of your partner. What are you afraid of? What are you most afraid of? Ask the deep self. And then, once you know what you're looking for, with the deep self, ask, who carries that fear within me? And when you find the part of yourself that carries that fear, and those of you that know how to journey, you may find all of these questions are better done in a journey than in a meditation. Nonetheless, When you find the part of yourself who carries that fear, that is the fear that you are most afraid of, that most limits you from living your soul's purpose, then ask yourself how you can help this part of yourself release the burden of that fear. That fear is serving something, most likely something it doesn't need to serve anymore, like protection Uh, safety, um, who knows what, something, some sort of protective function. It usually does. Ask that part of yourself how you could do that today, how you could perform that function today and relieve that part of yourself of the burden of your fears. And find a way to effectively and compassionately through the yin energies to just let that fear go. Let that energy slip into the deep darkness, the pool of infinite possibility and potential that is the yin energy, and just let it go. Third question. There deep in the procreative center, in the cave, in the center of the procreative center, there with your deep self, the third question. Ask the deep self, What story do I tell myself that drives me away from relationship with you? What story do you tell yourself that drives you away from deep relationship with your deep self? Is it the story simply that you don't have time? You've got two kids, you've got a job, you're going to school, you're trying to get your yoga in, and you don't have time for your deep self. Or is the story that if you tap your deep self, you'll remember, and there are things from your childhood you don't want to remember? Or is the story that keeps you from your deep self simply the fact that if you just keep going, everything's going to be fine, and it's all good? I'm just going to keep going. It's all good. I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm not going to, you know, fix what ain't broken. Whatever it is, what is the story? What is the story about life? Stories are big in shamanism. What is the story that you tell yourself that keeps you from relationship with your deep self? Explore that story. So then, with the deep self, explore who taught you that story. What was the first version of that story? And why did they teach it to you? 
And as a savvy consumer who is manipulated all the time through advertising, look at the psychology. Why did the person who taught you the story or live teach you that story? And how can you unwind the deep manipulative psychology in that and free yourself from the story and let that story slide into the pool of the darkness and the energy that is the pure potential energy of the yin. Just let it slide off. And the fourth and final question of this challenge to transform your return time into something that will support you in deep relationship with yourself is what is the essence of life for your deep self? In other words, what matters most to your deep self? What energy, what single energy, if it were not existent, would render life unworth living? What is that essence energy to the deep self? What matters more than anything else to the deep self? That is your final question of the deep self. And then ask the deep self, You've got all these answers to all these questions and let all these answers slip away. Let the energy as you carry these answers slip away into the yin, feeding the yin, returning these energies to the yin where they can return to their true nature and become energy available to express your soul's purpose as you move on into the spring. So when all of this has slipped into the yin, then ask the deep self while you feel your passion for that essence begin to move in your blood. So you sit there with your deep self, with that energy in the center, that essence energy given as the answer to that fourth question. Sit there with that essence energy between you, deep there in the cave, like a fire in the cave. Sit there and sit day after day if you have to until you feel your own passions rise for that essence. Your deep self is you. What is critically important, essentially important for life for your deep self is essentially important for you. So sit there with that essence energy between you like a campfire until you feel your own passions rise for that essence. And then ask the deep self, while you feel your passions for that essence begin to move in your blood. Now remember, it is not your business to judge how good that essence is or how valuable or how it compares to other essences. So sit with that deep self, with that essence energy between you. Feel the passion moving in your blood for that essence. And as your blood flows and your heart beats, ask the deep self to share with you its purpose. Thank you all for joining me this week and for this past year. I'd like to offer you a blessing for the new year. And this uh, blessing comes from what is essentially important to me, that for me life would be not worth living if it were not for the essence energy of love. And so I offer you this blessing on the coming year. May divine grace be your companion as you hold the vision of your life and your soul's purpose in stillness and find the faith that true love is real. May the path be clear for you to act in wisdom, know courage in your devotion and find laughter along the way. May you be enriched by the wonder and majesty of love, love that attends to all, love that cares, love that is in the silence and the darkness. May true love be the expression of power in this world, and may we, each one of us, be the ones who bring it. Thank you all. I give thanks to the ancestors for being with us here today, to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Happy New Year, everyone. 